Chapter Seven of the New Swiss Family Robinson: A Tale for Children of All Ages by Owen Wister. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: For Better or For Worse. I rejoiced greatly in the happy advent of the foreign visitors. They were indeed a pleasant break in our little family circle a circle which, though very sweet and dear to me, I had sometimes felt might grow in many years to have an element of sameness about it. The winter began to draw on, and we made several little colonies, one in the Boylston Cave, one in a neighboring island, which Ernest had ingeniously christened Snark Island, and several other equally desirable and agreeable settlements everyone was happy and contented. Many wondrous tales were told or read in turn by the boys and Miss Hap during the long evenings, and when these grew too exciting for healthful imaginations, I would chasten the merriment by reciting parts of my private journal, which caused them to think so deeply that after a few sentences they often retired to their rooms to ponder until morning. In the early part of the autumn we had hung up the skin of Fritz's anaconda to dry. Fastened to a stout limb of our family tree, it became a portentous ornament. But a misfortune which happened to the Marquis of Hindaianos shortly afterwards warned us to stuff the huge cuticle of the tropical monster. Returning home from a soiree on Snark Island late one night, the Marquis had occasion to step along the limb from which depended the serpent. Just as he approached the animal, his foot slipped, and he was precipitated down into the cavernous jaws. I was just in my first sleep when I was startled by a cry, Sacre tonnerre! Nom de chien! Ah! and the sounds became muffled. I awoke my dear wife, and earnestly requested her to listen. A moi! A moi! Help! I am perdu! Swallowed tout à fait! Let us hasten, said my wife, springing up. Rashness, I observed firmly, detaining her one hand, while with the other I emphasized my remarks, is ever a quality to be eschewed, especially after dark. If the gentleman is, as he says himself, swallowed, we can sorrow for him in the morning. A moi, a moi! Father, father, cried little Franz, the Marquis of Hyundaianos has tumbled down the anaconda. Misfortune, I replied, may happen to any one, and instead of allowing excitement to get the better of us, we should rather be thankful for our own preservation. Notwithstanding, I complied with the lad's wish, and lighted a candle. Meanwhile the cries of the Marquis had summoned quite a little gathering. He had fallen completely to the end of the serpent, as was now made evident by the somewhat violent agitations of the animal's tail. "'Get me out!' shrieked the voice inside. "'Je meurs!' "'Courage, mon ami!' I said cheerily, as I did a little light shivering, for pajamas are not a sufficient protection in the rainy season. 
After some trouble, we persuaded the iguana to bite a hole in the anaconda's tail, through which we drew out the unlucky marquis. He thanked us warmly and withdrew to his room. This event decided us, and on the morrow we began to stuff the serpent. We found this no light task. After emptying into the cavern five tons of hay, which my brave wife gave us from her bag, we concluded that operations must go faster. So we constructed a derrick in combination with a pile-driver, and in three weeks, by aid of these powerful engines, we had emptied two granite quarries, all the seaweed about Snark Island, and the wardrobe of our wrecked vessel into the skin, and had the gratification of seeing as fine a specimen for a zoological collection as any one could wish. I immediately built a museum in a rock where the presence of more mephitic air induced Ernest, with his usual wit, to christen the building a gassy museum. Here we put specimens of all sorts and here little Franz, who to my great joy was developing a fine taste for natural history, passed many a long hour picking out the eyes of lobsters and watching the heart pulsations of the oyster and the clam. Thus passed nearly a year. Fritz, whose attachment to Miss Hap was becoming very evident, acquainted me of the fact one day in the spring with many blushes. I rejoiced at the prospect of a permanent settlement in our dear island, and, as Colonel Hap professed himself equally pleased, arrangements were made for a speedy marriage. "'Und was werde the object sein of here living?' asked Count von Apollinaris, whose ideas flowed freely and mixed readily with any subject. I confess, I replied, that the study of nature is the only one possible. And do you not desire your children to have a liberal education? asked Colonel Hap. We need a university here. Ja, a gymnasium as in Deutschland, continued Apollinaris. Your idea, gentlemen, I answered, speaks well for you. We will found one at once, and educate my younger children and the crews of your ship. We should have a commencement to begin with, said Colonel Hap. No, no, Papa, said Miss Hap. Let us have a class day, and Fritz and I will be married then. I approved of the plan, and kissed my future daughter-in-law on the forehead, which would have pleased her had she not been preoccupied at the moment. All was arranged in a satisfactory manner. On account of my admirable qualifications for the situation, I was unanimously chosen president of the university. With a view to this position, I had prepared a set of subscription booklets and a report. My dear wife was obviously best qualified for secretary. So we built a railing, neat and strong, around her, and provided her with paper, pens, ink, and many large books. Count Apollinaris disappeared for some days. On his return he brought something carefully covered up in canvas. On taking this covering off, he displayed to us 
a most ingenious apparatus. An index needle, moving on a pivot dependent on two concentric circles, made of galvanized German silver, pointed to a graded crescent of the same metal. The degrees ranged from minus thirty-three and a third to thirty-three. The whole was regulated by the formula x squared plus two xy plus y squared equals parentheses x plus y parentheses squared. This, in combination with factorial n, made the first factor of an expression in which the second was w, representing weight or difficulty, and the third was t, representing time, not less than one and not greater than three hours. A sensitized plate was suspended by many yards of the strongest red tape over a fire-pan. Connected with this plate was a balance that fed a cog-wheel, which regulated the two concentric circles before spoken of. A lever throwing W or T into operation, connected with an escapement united to the X plus 2XY plus Y squared bar, was practicable for the thumb and forefinger. Any blue book that needed valuation was burned up in the fire-pan. Its quality was determined by the lever. The flames heated the sensitized plate, which communicated the quality of the blue book expressed in terms of heat to the needle, which immediately pointed to the correct mark, never exceeding thirty-three, nor less than minus thirty-three and a third. We shed happy tears over this triumph of mechanical skill, and I appointed von Apollinaris professor of German at once. The weeks passed, and the happy day dawned. I regretted that the rough life which my son Fritz had been leading had left its mark upon his dress-coat. But Miss Hap kindly said that he would be presentable to her in any costume whatever. My dear wife, who was much admired by the foreigners, made a beautiful cloak of skins for herself, which became her admirably. The Marquis of Hanyade Janos had been quite marked in his attention to her, but I assured him, if he wished to take her away with him, he would find that she preferred me to him. Though my spirit of unselfishness, I continued, forbids my throwing any obstacle in the way of such a plan, I cannot reckon without my wife, as it takes two to make a bargain. We smiled pleasantly and shook hands. The marriage was very affecting. The tropical foliage drooped in every direction. Lanterns hung in the foliage, invisible, until night permitted them to display their gay colors. Crowds of visitors witnessed the ceremony. As the wedding march rang blandly, grandly, through the glad banyan trees, the people formed into a long procession, which, headed by the brass band, wound in and out of the shrubbery, till it seemed to me that I saw three processions instead of one. The ship's chaplain read the service, Colonel Hap standing near his daughter, and my dear wife seated close by, 
dissolved in tears of happiness and gratitude. Who giveth this woman away? I uh, can, can, uh, uh, that is, uh, um, I, I do, said Colonel Hap hurriedly, while the enchanted spectators sang the class day song composed expressly for the occasion. Poetry by Ernest, whose facile pen could accomplish nearly anything, and music by Fritz, who had passed the winter at his upright piano, playing duets with Miss Hap. When the ceremony was completed, with loud cheers, we joined hands and danced round the nodding trees. After this we went to the banquet, where we found that the iguana, taking advantage of the fact that general attention was diverted from himself, had eaten up a large quantity of the wedding cake. His imprudence caused him a good deal of pain later in the evening. I made an appropriate speech. The fact of the wedding cake being gone, I said smilingly, matters very little indeed, since we have the julipa atwoodiana in large quantities. Hear, hear! shouted many voices, while they raised their glasses and made them touch with a musical ring which so expressively denotes a joyful unanimity of sentiment. Let us drink to the success of the college, university, I mean. Here, here! And the unanimity with which we clinked the glasses reduced us to using gourds for the remaining toasts. Long life to the young couple! Here, here! Then began a series of toasts. Three cheers for the chaplain who married us, said Fritz. Loud cheering rent the air. Three cheers for my dear father, the President. The cheers seemed to diminish in their intensity. So, thinking that our guests were not unnaturally fatigued, I rose and our pleasant party broke up. We proceeded to the family tree, where a large fire was kindled, and suddenly a loud report rent the air, and our foliaged home was no more. The President's report had blown it up. The night has closed around me. I am feeling very well, and as my dear children go on their honeymoon tomorrow, I close this journal of our dangers and our joys, and send it with them, that others in the great world may know of our life, and sorrow, and rejoice with its vicissitudes. Finis End of chapter 7 End of The New Swiss Family Robinson A Tale for Children of All Ages by Owen Wister